Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III, and we are continuing our What If coverage for the Disney Plus series. Uh, we have a great episode to discuss this week. And joining me, the panel today, first, the super producer is in the house, Jake Christie. Jake, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm excellent. Excellent. Not doing too bad. Uh, Jerome Chang, Black Dragon Roll, is in the house. He is back. Jerome, how are you, sir? The Twitter's not back, but I am. I, I'm, I'm good, man. Good to see oh, you. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting about that. No, no. no it's still the Instagram. Free. I'm still I'm still going by the Black Dragon Roll. Even Free. Twitter won't let me, so. <laughs> Free Black Dragon Roll. Um, and, of course, we have a friend of the show with us back for another episode dalbin osorio dalbin what's up my brother thank you thank you and it's also my first uh appearance on the pod since i joined the the discord and i'm really excited about that you know because now i get to now i get to interact with you guys even more <laughs> more than we already <laughs> do uh but i'm super glad to be back with you guys uh super glad to discuss to discuss what if episode two which Wait, was- i just want to clarify what what tier is dalbin we might need to kick him off this pod actually <laughs> oh <laughs> I got bad news. I, I don't know if we can afford that. Like bad news, Barrett. No, no, but I'm super glad to be back with you guys. And Jerome, free free Black Dragon Roll. Always glad appreciate to you, man. Appreciate you. I'm glad to be back. Yes, for sure. And guys, uh, it was a it was a powerful episode. It was a, I mean, to me, energy wise, it was a palate cleansing, tone shifting whatever euphemism you want to use, uh, Chadwick Boseman's voice and presence was back for this, T'Challa as Star-Lord. Um, I just want to kind of kick it off with uh, general thoughts. I'll start with you, Jerome, since you weren't here for last week, mm-hmm. um, most of it anyway. I guess the question I'll ask you first is, in terms of what you thought of the first episode's concept and everything that that came into it for you in terms of expectations, and then in, in addition to that, uh, your general thoughts on this uh, this particular episode? Uh, yeah, no, I'll I'll answer it w- with regard to just like what the series has been as a concept and just how the two episodes, you know, were different for me. Um, but yeah, I like the concept. I like that it's considered canon. I like that, um, you know, obviously this is a much different feeling than when the first the show was originally announced versus after loki and you know having all those implications in play it just you know it's it's not just like you know playing fan fiction it's actually you know you're seeing different realities and you're seeing the potential maybe any of these things maybe reaching across uh the multiverse so it's really fun on that front in terms of um the first episode it was a fun kickoff really fun episode uh, it felt a lot more like I talked with friends about it and it felt really fast, but I think because it was basically a carbon copy of First Avenger with just character switched. So, you know, it was purposely rushed through parts through montages. And then what I found um, was really refreshing about this next episode is it was an entirely different plot. It was a new story. Um, of course, it was like rooted in, you know, the Guardians of, Ga- of the Galaxy universe, but, you know, they're just the Ravagers, right? And every character is in a different place and it's all a result of it. But like, you're not outside of where it starts, you know, you're not just seeing Guardians of the Galaxy except T'Challa's um, in the place of uh, Peter Quill. And so, you know, obviously with everything around Chadwick, it's hard to separate that. But I think in trying to treat it just as an isolated episode alone, 
it's such a refreshing thing for a character that I think has been kind of burdened with being, you know, just not having fun. Like Black Panther as a character, uh, we have talked about him, like, I think some people even almost prefer him in Civil War more than his own movie. And it's not really, like... It's not a fault of Chadwick's, of course. It's just what the character's purpose and what the child's character uh, is in that relative to everyone else. So to see him have so much fun in this is so nice and so joyful. And then because, of course, the real world uh, context now, it is incredibly bittersweet to watch it that way and think of the idea that, you know, this was a version of T'Challa that we maybe could have seen in the actual films. And so... Yeah, to that end, I, I don't want to take up too much of the time, but it, it mm -hmm. it's just, you know, for whatever comes out of this whole series that we got this one episode makes what if per, uh, worth it. It was, yeah, it was a it was a burning bright spot. Uh, Jake, how about you? What were your initial thoughts on this episode? I, I really liked it. I'm going to echo what Jerome said about it being fun. And because Chadwick didn't really get to be fun in the main role. And I think that that's kind of important because... I, th I don't want any of the episodes that he's in to be somber in tone in themselves because it's already sad enough to watch them. You know what I mean? Like, I think that there's a kind of a temptation whenever someone uh, passes away to make to that to like want the work that they have coming left to be something that is somber, that is like a celebration of them. And obviously, but, but I think the thing that misses is that just the work in general is a celebration. You know what I mean? Just his performance is the thing to be celebrated. It doesn't need to be, um, you know, a The dedication thing. at the end, I think, is such a perfect... Like, you can really look at the episode and really find a way, I believe. Like, maybe I just am, have not taken it as personally, but, like, you, I think you can treat it independently. And it does its justice of addressing it at the very end. Exactly. Right. And I think that that's really nice. And and I thought, yeah, it was a really, really fun episode. And I thought that it was um, incredibly, it, it made me sad that specifically we're not going to see this character again, because the implication of it is that he is, there's so much goodness to him that he could convince even a genocidal maniac to go straight. And I think that that's something <laughs> that the fact that we're not going to be able to explore that that like how good of a person do you have to be for that to be true? Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of, that's really what's really sad about it. Obviously the saddest part is Chadwick, but the fact that it's not just Chadwick that we're losing, we're losing T'Challa. And so to see the side of him and to see, I don't know, I thought it was just a really nice episode where basically every single character was playing against type. Um, and it let so many fun things happen with different characters. And it made me, I don't know, just really happy that, these characters have things that are essential to them, but they can be malleable like that. Because I feel like in the first episode, it was mostly just characters acting the way they always would in different situations. But this one is the the the, the difference. The thing that changed, obviously, where Star where uh, Star Lord is T'Challa is obviously different. But the thing that makes Yondu different is not a um, he's not giving anything. It's his personality has changed. The thing that makes Thanos different is his personality has changed. And I think that that's a real, much more interesting thing to look at rather than just the circumstances changing. It also does so well to establish T'Challa as just purely the heart. Yes. Yes. And yeah, that's such a great point. I think before we get to Dalbina, I I'm, I'm looking at it this way because I was really wondering how I was going to receive this. And I almost felt like 
it was going to be just overly emotional. But I think the thing that it did was the inherent goodness of T'Challa throughout this episode and in the character in general, it just, you see how he shined on everybody. And it was so, just from the, the beginning overall. So I think to your guys' point, it, it was, to me, it felt uplifting. I felt uplifted watching that. I was really concerned that I was going to have a, a really be crying on the, watching it the entire time, but um, I'm grateful that we got to watch and hear that wonderful artist uh, speak to us once more, and he'll be back for three more episodes uh, later in the season. Dalbeen, well, uh, how about you? What were your initial thoughts on this episode? Yeah, I mean, echoing what I think you're all saying, I think I it was a little surreal, I'll admit, um, just because you got to remember, like, as he was recording all of these, uh, all these appearances, especially in What If, and even Ma Rainey's, you know, Ma, Ma, the, the film they did for Netflix, right? Like, he was dying, man. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and so that, I think that kind of weighed on me, right? Because I was like, man, like, and nobody knew. No, none of the actors that were with him knew, right? Yeah. Uh, the fact that Marvel got Josh Brolin and Kurt Russell to to, to be Ego and Thanos in, in, in this was kind of dope. Like I'm yeah. like, oh, that's cool. You know, Josh Brolin liked the character enough to want to be a cartoon version of him. I thought I got, I got, I got like a segment. Got, they, it seems like they got this. everyone possible for this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and now, and now I, I, I understand we'll, we'll why they didn't have Batista. Now I understand why they didn't have Batista. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're gonna get the Jake segment. Yeah, I got I got a segment about the, this whole phenomenon. But keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought that was pretty, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, um, I loved because I did think one of the things that I would have loved to see more of, like when when uh, Black Panther has the Infinity Gauntlet, the Stark Gauntlet, and he he he's in front of Thanos. I was like, man, they're going to scrap. I would have loved to see that in Endgame. I wanted to see them scrap. Right. Uh, so we didn't get to see a lot of the interaction between him and Thanos, but we get to see this interaction where he's made Thanos go straight to the point where like it's almost played like a joke. Like Thanos is like, well, you know, there's other ways to realign the, the, the universe. I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I wasn't the most comfortable with like the casual nature of like is this genocide or not? But otherwise, yeah, no, like how they played off Thanos was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was good. Um, I thought that there was a hint of a romance between T'Challa and Nebula, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, uh, a hint. I think a hint. She's going around calling him Cha-Cha. <laughs> hey, man. A hint? I, Dalvin, I think if we're catching anything here, you're bad at reading signals. <laughs> I am. I am. I am, I, I am admittedly I'm the awful. same too. Honestly, I would be sitting across from Nebula yeah. and just thinking like she's really dedicated to the mission. So exactly. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, I, she I, must really want to get her freedom here. I, I, I I, I honestly, I think that if there's, it's uh, with that in mind, I mean, it's like if there's not a graphic sex scene, you're like, I don't know if they're into it. I don't know. If, I don't know if this is it. Right? Like that's why I love Mass Effect, right? Because Mass Effect, there is no games in Mass Effect. This is what it is. <laughs> um, but no, but so like, so I, so I love that. But like, I think also, and and, and Jake, uh, I, you know, we had this conversation after the last time I was on about how, uh, like, we and and you and I are in agreement. We don't believe that Marvel planned this this way, right? But Marvel. Marvel has some fortune on their side because T'Challa coming out of Endgame, I was really curious, like, man, okay, so where does his story go, right? His solo story. Because you warded off Killmonger, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, okay, now what? Like, you can't have another invasion story in, in Wakanda. You can't have somebody else trying to invade Wakanda. That's that's not really going to track. And so I was curious where they would go. But, so, but Marvel because I'm sure they had no clue that this was what it was going to happen, where they were going to be able to explode the multiverse this way. But now they get a different version of T'Challa, right? Like a fun, jovial, 
version. But to AC's point and to Jerome's point, it's still the heart of the MCU. Like he spared Zemo, right? He 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 uh, he understood Zemo's mission enough to say, "Vengeance has done this to you. I'm not gonna let it do it to me." In Civil War, he spared Killmonger in Black Panther, right? He was like, "Nah, I'm not gonna kill you. That's not what we're here for." So he very much is what you said, the heart of the MCU. And that's, I think, the part that I took from this. And I was like, man, I would have loved to see more of that. T'Challa with like Falcon. Now that Falcons become the heart of the Earth Avengers. Right. So that would have been cool. But I loved it, man. I loved it. It just hit me here. It like this was basically just like intergalactic coming to America. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Like, no, like not in a like not in any way, like a mocking way, but just in the sense of it's completely a prince unburdened by their royal duty and getting to explore the world. Um, and you just see the joy, right? Like there is some level of like T'Challa somewhere out in nowhere, just yelling, yes, fuck you. <laughs> like, just, <laughs> you know, but no, no. Um, T'Challa looking for a McDowell's in, a McDowell's, in, in, yes. in Xandar or something like that. <laughs> Shout out to McDowell's. <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, let, let their soul glow. Um, no, absolutely. Oh, absolutely, for sure. And and it's funny, like, we get this off the bat because it's basically a replay of the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy with uh, Star-Lord and Karath and <laughs> the, difference, the difference is so stark. Oh, talking about having fun. Right from the beginning. Yeah. Shout out to Dijvan Honsu, by the way, who you want to talk about having fun. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jaiman Honsu. Is like I am so tired of playing stoic goons for the past <laughs> fifteen <laughs> fucking years. I've been chasing Dom Toretto across this damn yeah. jungle, but now I'm gonna cut up and have some fun. <laughs> My guy was like, truly, I I was thinking about everything I've seen him in. He always is playing the most serious guy in any movie he's in, even in super serious movies. It's just like, like he's your, the most serious Marvel guy in Blood in Diamond, which is the most serious movie ever made. <laughs> is what's going on here? It's beautiful, but no, it's, it's just, yeah, it's great. I just I I just love the the idea the the parallels and and it's funny there's a lot of things to take out of this episode but I think the main one is man T'Challa greater than all the way all the way Peter Quill <laughs> like oh I Peter. but like oh my goodness without like blows him out of the water <laughs> I I don't even know if this episode was put together as a way to you know really like glorify praise like Chadwick Boseman and T'Challa as much as just to bury the fuck out of Chris Pratt and Peter Quill because it's it's just like no one was asking for where he was zero people no no go ahead Jake I was gonna say I think the real message of this episode which is a message I really like and I think is very potent now and it's a message I want more media to have because I feel like especially in like the 90s and early 2000s, the exact opposite message was and everything. The message just kind of is just, if you are a good person, you try to do good things, good things can happen. Like that it's an incredibly uncynical message that it's like the difference between all the bad stuff, like a Thanos and all this, the difference is just people trying. And that Mm -hmm. merely by trying and trying to do the right thing and by having a person of a better spirit, that in itself can make the universe a better place. And I think that so much of, 
the media I don't like as much as other people is where it's like where the message of it is no matter what you do, everything ends up the same. And I think that that's stupid and that's boring, et cetera. I but mean, I really, like, we only saw the results of it, but let's just say it's Chalice seems a lot more convincing than a Falcon speech at the end of <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. He didn't give the Falcon speech to Thanos. He wasn't like, it matters who's in the room when you're deciding to commit genocide. <laughs> <laughs> I will say too, I mean, to that point, because like, you know, we're now four Disney plus, you know, series in, right? right. Um, there is something to be said for Marvel's message being that Jake, right? Like this, like even in WandaVision, right? Like Wanda is heartbroken over, over losing vision, right? But it's how you come out of that grief, right? Like that's kind of the message from WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like, and granted, I, you know, I've coined it, you know, Anthony Mackie's Barack Obama, Iowa speech when he's in the streets in Brooklyn, <laughs> but it is like his point about like, listen, man, like you don't want me to have this shield. You don't want me to be this guy or whatever, but I'm going to keep getting up and keep being here. Right. Like, and then in Loki, like, and Loki, mind you, Loki's a, the, the villain that we spent the most time with, right. In the MCU. And, and we talked about this, you know, when we, when we, when we spoke about that series, I had no interest in Loki. Right. I was like, man, like, you're not going to be able to reinvent, especially 2012 Loki. You're mm -hmm. not going to be able to make me care about him enough. And his focus was like at the end where he tries to stop Sylvie from unleashing hell upon everybody. Right. And he's kind of accept it. There, there are beautiful messages being told in these Disney plus series that I, I'm with Jake, man, because like I, I, I struggle with the media a lot because I feel like they, they glorify evil and like, and like things that are bad. Right. And I mm -hmm. love stories that kind of, and that kind of give you that hope, right. That like give you a sense, like, you know what? It's still cool to be a good person. Like, they they glorify nihilism in a way, especially yeah, a lot of big yeah. budget. Because evil nuts, but just like they're really such a focus, especially in like fantasy stories that always go back to fate, etc. Where the, the message always is like, it's always, you know, that caring and trying to do better is useless. And I, I really love that the message of these has been not that, especially because superheroes inherently are a, a an optimistic thing. Because the mm -hmm. idea that one person can be a hero is a very very optimistic idea and so when you try to use superheroes to tell a nihilistic story it always feels like a weird fit because it's like what are you talking about you already clearly believe in something because you believe that a guy can put on tights and beat people up and it's a good thing i mean so i don't know i, I really i do like that it feels very positive and good yeah and i think it's funny because if you look at the at the thanos thing and i know jerome mentioned it earlier what's funny about it is it looks like they really made fun of the conversations that a lot of us were having about the whole whether Thanos was right about the whole, uh, uh, you know, taking half of the the population and stuff like that. And they 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 did a nice little twist on that, and 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 kind of continuing with the with the plot uh, as we as we go forward, um, meeting up with Yandu, and this is a different this is a different Yandu, one who would just be going back and forth shit talking with quill and th it this just, it just again shows how toxic quill is that's just yeah. it. <laughs> i think that's i think that's that it, man. it. Like, I, I think that's the message like yo because i remember leaving infinity war infinity war thinking all right man if i had to blame anybody it's peter quill <laughs> completely <laughs> completely it's peter quill and now after watching this i'm like 
no, dude, it's you, right? And even though, like, like don't, don't you watch this, Dalvin, and just wonder, like, why did they just keep T'Challa in Wakanda this whole time? Just, like, chilling <laughs> out there. It seemed like, like, how, like, like, like how Like how the Dora Milaje say about Wanda. What was she doing up there this whole time? Same thing I'm thinking with T'Challa. Yes, like, sir. What was he doing? Up, because I do think, I and, I and you know, and we'll get to the end in a second, because I do think, AC, you're right, there was a lot in this episode, and I wrote about this for Murphy's Multiverse, about how Peggy Carter's universe, right? And we're not, and I'm of the belief that these are different universes these are not the same universes, yeah it seems like right? they are yeah. right so they're different universes so we yeah. have peggy carter's universe where you know her standing up for the right thing she ends up being capped and she ends up in a future where maybe she's the first avenger right so maybe that's hers this one so and in that many case it's very much like a trading almost yeah. like for like yeah 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 exactly. like spirit and personality yeah exactly mm -hmm. yeah whereas with this one, it feels very much like, yo, we are burying the guy who's trash. We are going to bury him, right? Like, that's what we are going to do. And that's kind of, and I think that that's going to open the doors for a lot of different things going forward. Imagine if you're an Avenger and you get to see a video of T'Challa doing this. It's like, we really had to do all this shit against Thanos. We really just could have talked him down. Like... <laughs> like, none of this shit had to happen. But you like, gotta, I, I feel like... <laughs> I, I think what plays into here is exactly when you get in contact with Thanos. Because at some point, oh, he's like sure. pot committed. Yeah. So I think it, like what benefits is just like he got to him early. Like they yeah. were in like homeroom or something like that. And then it was just like <laughs> they both like took history, but both learned it very differently and came up with different results. And then finally, like once they got to like, you know, their thesis project, Thanos sat there and watched T'Challa's presentation. It's just like, ah, yeah, I had this all wrong. Like, <laughs> I, I also wanted to talk about um, uh, Nebula. What a what a nice little uh, lift for her in this in this mm -hmm. episode. She got the wig. She had, and, and she got the she you know she she sounded a little with the innuendo with mm -hmm. uh, cha cha. That, yeah, oh. that definitely is like like that's just uh, iconic stuff. And I really think it's just a testament to how much that every movie or think she's in, they just let Karen Gillan be more expressive with the voice each time, yeah. which is to cast her and make her a monotone character to begin with is the worst dumbest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> like yeah. I can name, like I only came like three people in the whole world with more expressive voices than Karen Gillan. And they have her going, I'm Nebula. I, well, I, I it's it's, it's like time. OG Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool in yeah. uh, Wolverine X-Men <laughs> Origins, right? <laughs> Good call. And so while she still has like the mountain voice, just letting her do more with it is just so much more fun. And she's such a more interesting character. And I really hope that we get to see some of this going forward because I think that she is a character, that she's one of the most interesting uh, actors in the MCU. And I feel like she's really gotten thrown into the stick. I think obviously I've joked a lot in this podcast about how ballsy it was to make her like one of the three most important characters in Endgame. And I think that there's a lot to do with her going forward, especially if, you know, uh, Drax doesn't come back for Guardians 4 or whatever. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of room. Well, and to that point, I think, too, I what I liked particularly about Nebula was like her relationship with Thanos was very much a daddy daughter relationship where she was just like, listen, man, I don't like that. You left my mom or whatever. Like, I don't like that. You know, I had to go to live with you. Right. Like it was, it wasn't mm -hmm. rooted in this trauma because I think Jake is right. Like Nebula. And we know this from the comics, right? Nebula is one of the most tragic uh, characters in Marvel. Right. Like, yes. you know, and, and the, the movies have done a good job of capturing some of that. Like Thanos was, Th Thanos treated her like trash. Right. But here their banter just very much seems like it's like, 
you know, oh, you know, my dad's an asshole. They, they narrowed it down to awkward at Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but the love is there because he goes to save her from the Black Order as she's able to get away, right? Like Thanos is able to do that. Like it was it it was a fun episode from pillar to post, man. Like there was just a lot of really good stuff from a lot of actors that I think we've gotten used to seeing them one way. And I agree with you, Jake. Like Nebula in the first Guardians was very much like, I'm gonna kill you, right? And then in the second one, it was like Oh, why couldn't you tell me you love me? So she got a little angry, but the voice was still pretty the same. But in 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 in, in Endgame and Endgame and in Infinity War, like you kind of started to see. And Karen Gillan, she's a great actress. She's a great oh, actress. amazing. Shout yeah, the gunpowder milkshake. Uh, yeah. Also, that but also that's side. another movie that doesn't let her talk. Like I just that character needed to be Scottish. I don't know why. Like I just don't get it. Like unless like the character, it's important for the character to be American. Just cast her as Scott. Having watched the seasons of Doctor Who, she's on. She has one of the most fun to listen to voices. But anyway. But yeah, but some some of the some of the stuff that and another thing that was interesting as we get into the meat of the plot and obviously the collector uh, figures very hugely in this episode as a really not just a bad but almost seemingly a big bad when we see kind of the stuff that he has in in his war chest and they made him buff. And I was like, "Whoa, yeah, where those guns come from?" So that that was interesting. Apparently, he too. got the super soldier serum too. Like, I guess <laughs> everyone's just getting it each episode. <laughs> just for, just for example, he had Hela's uh, uh, helmet, the Necro sword that could was able to create that. Had Cap Shield, Hemionir. I was just like, "Whoa, okay, he's got a little bit of a war chest here." I found that fascinating. Uh, Dalbin, th- th- tell me a little bit about what you thought about it. So this is the, yeah. And you know that this is, this is like my, so, and again, it's, I think it's, I'm glad we're doing this pod after the Eternals trailer came out. <laughs> because, Which we'll get to later. <laughs> right. 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 Because, because, yeah. you know, we know the, the, you know, Celestials, you know, experimented on humans and that's what created the deviants. And for folks that don't know, you know, ego is a celestial. The collector is a celestial. The grandmaster is a celestial. Right. Mm. And, and mm. this, this episode, I think, showed just how close the celestials how how close to evil the celestials really were right and i think we haven't gotten many hints of that we got the hint we got the confirmation that ego killed quill's mom in guardians too right like he planted right. a tumor in her brain but the grandmaster's played for laughs he's not really evil like that and the collector's played as this eccentric collector right like you know no pun intended he's not really played as an evil guy, but here and then in the end, which we'll get to the end of this episode, we see the marks of the, we see the hints of the evilness from the Celestials <laughs> here, right? And how they've toyed with humans, right? I, I love the fact that we saw, okay, so he's got a shield. So he's got, he's got a shield. It could be a cap shield. It could be cap from the future, cap from the past, could be any cap. So that raises questions for me. I'm wondering like, okay, where did you get the shield from? But the more important thing for me is you got Hela's helmet by killing her, right? Like that's how you that you killed her, mm-hmm. and I, and that's what I want to know. I want to know how you killed her because because in in the Earth in the MCU Prime universe, Thor and them don't kill her. They let her go. They let Surtur destroy Asgard because they can't kill her. I want to know how the Collector killed her. I want to know where that fight happened. And the, I think the question that it raises for me is: in this universe, is Hela still Odin's right hand? And if so, did she never go bad? Right. Mm-hmm. And is that how he got the helmet and Mjolnir because she had well, Mjolnir? That, that mean, like, do you actually need to kill her to just simply snatch her wig? Like, that just seems like. <laughs> <laughs> 
we saw in Black Panther, you don't have to do that, right? We saw in Black oh, Panther, you don't have to do that. Just throw the wig God. off. Yeah, so it, it, it raised a lot of questions for me, man. I, I and, and I think making the collector look like a brolic Shang Tsung slash Vega from Street Fighter, I thought was really cool. Uh, so, But I, it did raise a lot of questions for me. And I think this episode, because again, I, I believe it's another universe. This universe, I'll be honest, this universe is fucked. <laughs> like this universe just looks like a universe that's just not going to be a positive universe. It just yeah. does not look like it's going to be a positive universe. That's a, that's a great point you make about that. Because even as we get this uplifting story and this really energetic story, the, the end, I was just like, whoa, okay. That doesn't seem like things are going to go well. But, 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 hold on. Before we, before we get to that part of things, I do want to continue with, with some, of the, some of the things that we saw in the main plot. Uh, obviously, when T'Challa gets captured by the Collector... Uh, he meets one Howard the Duck, uh, voiced by Seth Green. Uh, that was a nice. That was a nice uh, little cameo by Howard the Duck. Uh, Jake, uh, I feel like I'm going to use this as a, as for your floor to not only jump into Seth Green's voice. But let's just jump into your voice segment here. Okay. This also feels like pod typecasting to like mention <laughs> Seth Green, Howard the Duck, and throw to Jake. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate that. I've actually yeah. never seen Howard the Duck, the movie. Yeah. Um, I do need to check it out at some point. But I've heard it's actually like not funny bad. It's actually just bad bad. But I'll watch it at some point. Anyway, the thing, the, the segment I wanted to do is the basically talking about the people that they were able to get, but they couldn't get Chris Evans to spend 20 minutes in a booth in Bedford. Okay? That's the segment. Um, also Chris Pratt too, and other actors as this comes on, but I counted in the first two episodes alone, there are a total of 10 Academy Award nominations and one win among the people they got in these. Cause you got in the first episode, there was four, there was Sam Jackson, Stanley Tucci. Um, uh, who else? I'm gonna forget. Oh, uh, I'm forgetting. It doesn't matter. But then this one, you got Kurt Russell, Benicio Del Toro's got two and a win. Actually, Kurt Russell doesn't have one. He's just famous. Jaiman Hansu has two and just a bunch of people. Also, I looked it up. For the guy John Connie, who got a Tony Award in 1975 before mm-hmm. any of us were born by like 10 years. My point being, they really just went above and beyond to get all these people. And clearly in this one, I didn't find that there was any real weak link. I think everyone was really having fun, especially Benicio Del Toro, who's never made a conventional acting choice in his life. Um, and so I think that the message really should be that Marvel is unbelievable at this. Um, and every week there's names in the credits where it's like, like, how do you get like theater devotee didn't star in a movie until she was like 34 because she loves theater so much carrie coon to do three lines like how I, I, anyway so I, the, I there's no the main point of the segment is once again how did they not get chris evans to just do a couple lines i just i it's really just it's just a pox on his house also shout out to uh shout out to no batista again as uh, apparently he's, he, I mean, he complained he's complaining all the time about oh well they didn't call me they didn't let me know and of course the executive producer is asked and he's like, oh, we reached out to everybody. So I don't know. That's, that may be a you thing. <laughs> so whatever that is, I, I get the strong sense uh, that, that Drax will not be going past guardians three at this point. I feel like he's a safe bet to be off for sure. So you're saying uh, he's standing so still that he will actually disappear. <laughs> What do you mean I will kick a bucket? There are no buckets in this room for me to kick. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, 
So I mean, there was a there was a decent amount of action in this one. Uh, the Black Order kicking Thanos's ass was very interesting. Um, I felt like this was Shout more the Black of the, Order not what, looking like a bunch of punks. Like I know, like yeah. what? Even uh, even Ebony Maw, Ebony Maw was uh, was giving it to T'Challa there for a second. If anything, an indictment on Thanos as a coach. Just uh, honestly, that, <laughs> yes. Thanos is Mark Jackson and uh, the collector's seat card. <laughs> Completely. Big, big, big right Mark down Jackson to the blonde vibes hair. from Thanos. Big Mark Jackson vibes from Thanos. Well played, Jake. Well of course, played. yeah. He's, he got Ebony Ma. He's telling everyone that Ebony Ma. Uh, what was the thing that he told Fest, uh, Festazulia that made him cry? I don't know. I was going to try to do that joke. But whatever that was, he told him that. I mean, at the same time, if you really think about it, Thanos does kind of have a little bit of the whole pastor vibe with uh, I got oh, I got my ideology hits them my against religion. each other. Like it's yeah, no, it's some shady business <laughs> for sure. And I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool because in the sense that you see the difference between somebody who's uh, inherently bad and then this Thanos who gone who's gone straight probably a little a little wash vibes he hadn't really stretched and really used the you know used the guns in a little bit he ain't used the hands so it was taking it I to know, him he just seems like in this version more just like a proud father watching t'challa saying mama there goes that man <laughs> jesus I, see, it was actually what they cut out they left on the cutting room floor is when um he's at the party and he says about uh ramonda he says uh with all due respect i would knock it out of the park <laughs> oh, oh, oh. okay well <laughs> did not expect all these mark jackson references he said that on national television so it can't be that I, I bad <laughs> Shout out to Thanos, man. That was a that was a really really fun performance. Uh, 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 Jerome, was there anything else in this episode that you wanted to highlight or thought was interesting to you? Um, I, no. Uh, well, okay. Like it's kind of just echoing a lot of this stuff from earlier, but um, it's nice to see the opposite of a dysfunction like dysfunctional family. Just mm-hmm. T'Challa has no actual daddy issues. Comes home to like a welcome back it's all very heartwarming and sweet and completely opposite to not just marvel but any comic property <laughs> like he just you know he, he did everything out of like a pure good heart and also came back in the same way too and just um it, it's 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 just really nice to see again and you've all said it something without any hint of cynicism Oh, yeah, for sure. And I also thought that the message as T'Challa finds one of the Wakandan ships as he's trying to escape. Totally. I really I really love the messages of from his father where we're always looking for you and uh, you're you're a bright, a burning star in the sky. I mean, in space, uh, which was just really cool. Um, that, that's that that specific scene is really interesting because I wonder if that exactly existed and was scripted that way before and after um chadwick uh bozeman's passing because i i just feel like there is a level of that that is also like kind of in it this correlation it, like y- you can you can make that stretch it doesn't necessarily have to be read that way but it does feel mm-hmm. like it's also a message to chadwick just as much as the character oh yeah 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 absolutely that and that yeah there were man there was just a lot of good vibes in this episode but i do feel like yeah we can definitely get to we can definitely get to the end because after all the good vibes, we have the 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 Ravagers returning to 
to Wakanda and um, Thanos gets one more. It's an it's very efficient. <laughs> My plan is very efficient, even though it, you know I didn't do it this time. Uh, Ego finds Peter Quill, and that felt like such a dark ending. That was such a dark ending with the eyes glowing. And then I was like, and when uh, uh, Watu was saying that you know this is a story for another time, I was like, damn, I'd like to see how this story ends. Um, Jake, any thoughts? I just won. I thought it was amazing that they got Dairy Queen. Um, definitely. Uh, I, I, I actually kind of wish that he wasn't a janitor because it would be great if Ego were to come in and Peter Quill wouldn't realize what was going on and he would just kept doing the thing where he turned the blizzard upside down and he's like, <laughs> yeah. Whoa, what? yeah. Um, but no, I thought also it was exactly yeah. what you would expect Peter Quill to amount to. Oh, exactly. I think that that's Dairy really Queen cashier. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that really is like the on the night shift. Yeah, that if when T'Challa isn't picked up and taken to space, he becomes like a fighter who can save the help save the world. When Peter isn't picked up and taken to space, he's just some schmuck in you know <laughs> in Missouri. So, but I, I thought it was incredibly dark ending, but also like the perfect type of ending to leave you off on. And because even if they never return to the story in future seasons of What If, I think it is a fun reminder of the cost of any change in the universe. Yes. Right, that the positives that come with T'Challa being the one who's taken, well, then that means that ego has to go directly to Earth, and who knows what that's going to be, and that um, th that is the whole thing about changes and fate in different multiverses that no change can happen without consequences, and there of course are unintended consequences, and so I thought that was really fun, um, and it, yeah, it was just like a, it answered the question really well. Because uh, you're you kind of are wondering at the beginning of the episode, okay, then what happens to Peter Quill? Um, and uh, you got the answer. Um, and uh, and now I want a Snickers Blizzard. <laughs> and it's a perfect way that really, uh, just a reminder in this episode of just how this is what you want out of the concept. This is what you want out of the series to really show what types of different changes. To your point, Jake uh, Dalbin, I know you. I know you like the ending personally. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, so one, I think we have established that Peter Quill would have benefited from affirmative action. I think we've established that. Uh, shout out to Black Privilege. Shout out to Black. Uh, let's get that out of the way. 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 But so I think I think there's the, I think uh, I think it's just fascinating to me that. Like we've been wondering for such a long time, right? And we've talked about this before, right? Okay, when are the X-Men gonna show up? When do the Fantastic Four show up, right? Like there's these questions that we have about Marvel going forward, but there's still so much. And the producers gave an interview, I think it was yesterday, where they talked about how the X-Men and the Fantastic Four were off limits because they really wanted the first season to tackle the Infinity Saga, right? And I thought that was I thought that made sense, right? Like, okay, you don't want right. to introduce like these big characters. And I know like a lot of folks are on, on online saying, well, oh, they'll never introduce big characters in these Disney Plus stories, but that's not true. We just got Kang and Loki, right? And we got the power broker in, in Falcon and Winter Soldier, and we got the first mention of a mutant, right? And we got Wolverine's bar and all that jazz. There, there were things there right yeah. so i said say that okay we know that they'll introduce whoever but i love the fact that they've kept it to the infinity saga because it's something that feels familiar but one of the the scariest uh, scariest darkest parts of the mcu was 
ego putting a tumor in Peter Quill's mom's head. <laughs> that, that was one of the darkest turns. Mm-hmm. And then to and then that ending in a cartoon, no less. And granted, Invisible probably scarred all of us, right, over the last year in terms of just how much you could beat somebody up in an animated form. But to see him show up eyes glowing, knowing knowing what he can do and knowing what he's probably going to do to Peter, right, is like, so I'll be honest, I didn't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> feel bad but it did jar me a little because i was like yo he's gonna he's gonna jack peter up and the watcher also says he's like you know this means that i think he says like uh this means destruction for the world or this means the end of the world or could be problems for the world like it's very clear that this means something the other part and i'll tie this into the eternals trailer um everybody's always asked like where are the eternals why haven't they intervened but the watcher says it at the beginning of episode one i vowed to not intervene so for me like hearing hearing the eternals vow to not intervene in human affairs and then hearing the watcher almost say the same i'm like okay there's something there that i because marvel I, I jake you said this i think a few episodes ago there's nothing that they do that's an accident right nothing is an accident even if they don't know how it's going to turn out there's a reason that they plant these things and then hopefully they can come back to it either through luck or through sheer planning so i, I thought the ending was dark and you know rest in peace peter for <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <Destroy> the projects <laughs> <laughs> i i know uh Jerome, do you have anything to add on the on the end of the episode before I go to closing thoughts and we transition to the trailer? No, not really. I mean, like they the guys the guys nailed it. Um it 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 plants a nice thing that either makes for an exciting ending or you know something we can come back to. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and of course I, I just want to say again, it, it was a it was a pleasure and a privilege to be able to watch Chadwick Boseman's uh, presence and voice in this episode uh, as somebody who's a fan of not only the Black Panther. And and uh, if you want to check that out, I do have a, an article on that that I wrote last week uh, that kind of highlighted just the thoughts of um, this artist and everything that we've seen from him to this point. And, and it was cool to get that once again. So, you know, we look forward to next week of What If, uh, a take on Fury's big week. Uh, before the original Avengers film. That should be very interesting going forward. But um, we're going to transition here to a Marvel trailer that we got very early this morning. They dropped it at 3 a.m. Uh, the the Eternals, the final trailer before the film comes out in November. First viewed by the Nocturnals. Um. <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. Uh, guys, this... Uh, this gave us a little bit more exposition on on who these get who these people are and and uh, what their motives are going forward. Uh, Jake, I'll start with you here. What what were your initial takeaways from the trailer? I mean, I think that it's safe to say, and this references for no one on the call, but I don't know if that I've been more excited by anything from three a.m. since Matchbox Twenty's heyday. But um, and so actually, I actually don't even like that something that much, but it just was you know. Anyway. Um, I thought that it was really, really good that they, even though it was a little ham-fisted to put it at the beginning of it, I think they needed to answer the question of why they didn't interfere with Thanos. Because that's kind of like the whole, I think the discourse around it is dumb, especially because I think so much of the discourse around it was like acting as if there was a possibility they wouldn't answer that question. You know what I mean? Like people were acting like, are they going to answer why they didn't do anything with Thanos? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like people were like walking into it thinking like, oh, they really dug themselves a hole here. How are they going to come out of this? Like, no, that's really obvious. Like, yeah. I would hope yeah, anyway. But I, and I think that I think the explanation is good because it's also obviously the it, it it makes clear what the central conflict of the movie is beyond obviously who they're fighting. It's is it 
is it ever possible to be moral if you refuse to intervene in things basically is the idea mm. and i think that that's a very 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 pertinent topic with a lot of things um if it's today and i think that it's a really interesting topic for this to take on because i think that we've had a lot in the mcu of characters coming to grips with what happens when you do intervene and if things can go wrong and i think that that is an interesting thing to ask but i think it's an equally interesting thing to ask of if you it's the whole thing of with uh you know it's what spider-man says in civil war of if you have the ability to do things and the bad things happen and you don't do anything about them it's your fault and i think that this well, is kind isn't, of, it, isn't that all of wakanda exactly and i think that's yeah. it's this is i think the most grand scale version of it um and i think that it's i do but i also like how much they're still holding back like i really don't know still what a lot of the plot's gonna be um mm -hmm. and yeah i i'm just so excited i'm still fucking pumped oh man uh jerome uh how about you what were, what were your thoughts on the trailer um yeah i i think I think I like that I don't know. It's no surprise to any of you because uh, we podcast and I always say the same thing. I like that I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, but specifically to this, I love how beautiful it looks. It just looks yes. so good. Outside, man. It looks man. so pretty. It looks so, so <laughs> pretty. And um, and yeah, like everything Jake said, um, I'm just excited which way it goes. Uh I will say it's fun seeing Kit Harrington doing this thing, just looking dumbfounded at everything all the time. Uh, so, um, but just all in all, um, it's so hard. Like, go through the whole cast. I'm excited about every single one of them, you know, and yeah. I, I can't even single a person out. It's just, this is, this is hella stacked. Oh, yeah, yeah most definitely. Uh, it's very good. It's going to be very fascinating. But before I give my thoughts, Dalbeen, how about yours? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm super pumped. I, I, I've read all the Eternals comics, right. Uh, because I, and I remember there's there, they had a run about like six, seven years ago. And this was prior to like you, like there being any movie in the world. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Because, because, right, right. because, because Feige had said in like 2006, like he had name dropped the Eternals along with the Inhumans and like, and, and like all the, and I was like, oh, that's, that's going to be really obscure to pull off. Whatever happened to the Inhumans? So this, I mean, <laughs> same thing that should happen to peter quill <laughs> uh, but the the eternals and the eternals are fascinating because like again they are godlike right like they 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 but also like there is to jake's point there is something about a story of a bunch of superpowered beings that don't intervene when shit is about to get real right so there there there, there is that story there's also the story like and one, I think you guys know this because you follow me on Twitter. I've been on a crusade where everybody named Stark needs to die. So it's not <laughs> surprising to me that Rob Stark is the leader of these fools that has not allowed them to step out of the shadows. That is not surprising to me, right? Um, but I, I think I think that there's one, I love that they're not showing as much, which is typical for teaser trailers and first trailers. And I did see that it said final trailer, which I found to be surprising considering the movie's three months away. Like usually you don't drop the final trailer three months away but i think it's because this movie is so important to both the past of the mcu and the future right because again you have these godlike beings who their counterparts and who, who the people within their crew right uh experimented on humans right similar to what we saw the kree and the scrolls do right so like again it's important to the cosmic side of the mcu 
but it's also important to the Earth side of the MCU, right? Like it's incredibly important to the to their side of the MCU because they have ties to the X-Men, right? They have ties to the villain that's coming to kick everybody's ass in short, in short order, right? There's ties to so much of what the MCU is doing. And they they and I loved I, I you know uh Jerome, you said this like just the way it looks. I loved seeing Icarus shoot beams from his eyes, right? Like mm-hmm. because one, I was like, man, if they can do this, they're gonna make Cyclops look really cool, right? So I'm like, oh, that <laughs> can work, right? Um, I love the way the deviants look. That's thought the deviants looked really, really cool, right? And and I think that it doesn't look like any other Marvel film. Like I was worried initially, I was like, yeah. it's gonna resemble I, okay. I do have a question. What is yeah. a deviant besides Jay Christie after six white claws? <laughs> That is true, though. That is actually true. Like, that is, like, that's a joke that I can't even laugh at. Like, yeah. I mean, if Those deviant facts, just right? means, like, saying dumb jokes, but yeah. yeah. But what is, what is actually a deviant? So it's so a deviant is is a is a shape shifting humanoid essentially right so so they and th- so in the in the trailer they showed them looking almost like the destroyer right like metally or whatever but if you notice on uh, the left the right arm of the main leader of the of, of of the deviants he's got a human arm that's turning into like a scaly kind of uh, metallic arm so they blend in it's very it's very similar to the shapeshifters like the scrolls right very similar about, except, yeah okay except they like whereas whereas uh the scrolls only can keep like certain memories up to a certain point. That's why Talos was outed as like he didn't know Nick Fury. Yeah. The deviants take our memories when they kill us. Like they do, they take our memories. Wow. They can, okay. they can, they can take over society. So it's one of those things where like you have secret invasion coming, which will play a little bit off of that, right? So imagine you start to find out that this hero was really a deviant. This hero was really this. This hero was really that. Mm. It creates a sense of paranoia over the MCU. Over like, okay, well we can't. We can't trust you. Can't trust anybody, right? And then it bleeds into Secret Invasion. I think too. There's what, a so quote. In, there's what a, what does it make? Like, why are they the point of like now? We need to intervene. So that's what I was gonna say. So there's yeah. a, there's a specific there's a specific quote in the trailer where she says Tony Stark snap leads to the, it sent out a blast of energy that essentially drew them in, right? Because again, I, I was having this conversation with somebody before. With when Thanos decided to wreck the entire universe, they didn't intervene, right? Because Thanos is one of them. Thanos is a celestial, so they're like, nah, you know, he's got a deviant gene, but he's really a celestial, so they're like, nah, we're not going to intervene. But it was Tony Stark's actions to bring everybody back. And I'll tie this into, because I've been trying to figure out, like, when, when, he who, when he who remains says, oh, we've just passed the point, right? The threshold. I've been trying yeah. to think, I've been yeah. trying to think, like, okay, was that when Wanda became the Scarlet Witch? Because he didn't foresee that, right? Then I started to think, especially now seeing the trailer, was, did he see Tony snap? Is that the point that he didn't see? Because I think that, you know, and and Judge Renslayer has a quote in Loki where she says the Avengers were meant to travel back in time. She never says that they were meant to succeed, though. And part mm. of me does wonder if that's the point of no return that he that he remains sees, because that's also the point that brings back the deviants. Right. That's what's well, it's the, the one in 14 million. Right. It's right. the one that like seems so one. incredibly unlikely. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So so it's the one po- it's the one point in time that they couldn't foresee. It was the one random chance that was going to be successful. The other part. And I thought of this too, like even uh, I'm just going to interrupt. How much of this is uh, plagued by your bias against Tony Stark? Oh, none, none. I, and listen, <laughs> bias isn't bias I'm if playing. it's rooted in fact, baby. Bias if it's rooted. That still in sounds fact. like your bias, to be honest. <laughs> no, no, but that's that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. But, but but I think but the other part too, because this ties into Wandavision, right? Like we've seen, and Loki also, we've seen that these Nexus events are born out of love, right? Those those are the Nexus events. When when st- when they brought everybody back, and if it wasn't Tony's snap, it was Bruce's snap, one or the other. But they specifically mentioned Tony Stark, so I think it was him. That th- that's he's that he's doing that to save his daughter. 
that's a love of a father trying to save his daughter, right? The same way with Wanda, like Wanda gave up vision. Like what is, what, what is it? What is grief if not love persevering? She gave up vision because of that. So I think those could be the nexus events that lead to these things, but I'm, I'm all in, man. I can't wait for November. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be very fascinating. I think the thing that I love, and I know Jerome mentioned this earlier and I could kind of echo his statements here is this is one of the few properties that I know next to nothing about. I've read a few books, but are you going to the degree in? where I, not to the degree where I have any uh, decent understanding of them. So I'm kind of coming into this. But are, are you going to dive in? Like, do you think you're going to do that? Uh, probably a little less than I did for, for Shang-Chi since I, it, since I had some ties uh, mm-hmm. to that, uh, doing some work uh, related with that. But, um, I'll read, I'll read a few, but this is kind of one of the few times I, I do want to be surprised. I, I, I'm very intrigued because it's not only the cast, it's just, uh, the director, Chloe Zhao and, and everything that from the way that the film looks into some of the potential character moments and the idea that I read some of these, some of the quotes from Entertainment Weekly's uh, piece on the Eternals I, is that. I actually have this question. I'm going to pass it back to Dalvin, um, yeah. because uh, I think I'm going to speak on behalf of Anthony, Jake and me, where it's just when we see this currently, we see we, we just know each of the characters based on the actor that is playing them. We don't necessarily know who the character is, what their power is, what they're going to do. And it's intentionally left out, I think. Um, so to ask you, like, to kind of maybe give us a little thing to be excited about, which actor and character representation are you looking most forward to out of what you've seen so far? Angelina, Angelina Jolie, hands down. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And her, who and, does she play? What, like, uh, what is her character? Well, so so actually, I'm, I'm going to say Salma Hayek. I'm going to say Salma Hayek. Uh, okay. So Salma Hayek and Angelina, and Angelina Jolie are probably the the ones who I think just are going to bring the most gravitas to their role. But I'm going to go with Gemma Chen as Cersei because her love yeah. story and her love story with Kit Harrington is the, is the core of this movie. It, mm. it is the core. And Kevin Feige gave an interview, like I think yesterday where he was saying that uh, folks were up in arms when they casted Gemma Chen after casting her in Captain Marvel, right? Like, Oh, how do you cast the same actress in the same role? And he was like, we heard the same thing when we casted Chris Evans after playing human torch. And also, he played, she was and, blue. She was blue. Right, right. She yeah, was, yeah, she yeah, was yeah. blue. And she also said she that she said she, she loved the fact, she loved the fact that she doesn't have to wear the makeup all the time. <laughs> but I think her, because one, she's an incredibly talented actress, but two, she's the heart of this movie, right? Like eight, yeah. uh, like uh, Salma Hayek as Ajax, the leader of the, of the Eternals, there's a good chance she doesn't make it out of this movie, right? Because her love of the humans, I think puts her in direct conflict with Icarus, Richard Madden, you know, Rob Stark or whatever, because his, his he, he tolerates the humans. That's kind of his viewpoint. She loves the humans, and 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 they they come out of the shadows to try to protect them. And I think there's a very good chance Rob Stark, because of who he is, just doesn't want to doesn't want to save the humans. But for me, it's right. Gemma Chan as Cersei. I think I think her 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 she. It, so she was in love with Richard Madden's character Icarus for a long time. She gets a job as like a museum curator, falls in love with Dane Whitman, who becomes Black Knight. You know, down the road, he may not become Black Knight here, but he's but Black Knight historically is a member of the Avengers, right? So, so again, tying rooting her her story, the Eternal story. She loves this man, and they're coming to destroy his world. Right. I think that's mm. that's a powerful, powerful story. That's an easy story to write. You, right. th- it's an easy story to write. And then you're going to have folks on the periphery like Richard Madden's Icarus, who, again, believes he should be the leader. Right. And he's it, arrogant and he's cocky. Could, could you say it's someone similar to a Superman to Lois Lane? Yes. Yes. Except it's flipped. Right. It's, it's, it's of course, I yes, was yes, actually yes. going to say it reminds yeah. me of 
in Lord of the Rings, Arwen and uh, and Aragorn. Aragorn. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. it's it's so it's and that's dope, right? Because because so often we see the man cast as like the hero and oh, I'm gonna save the world or whatever. And here it's very much Cersei, right? And then like I was mentioning with Icarus, like Icarus, there's that hint of jealousy, right? Because he's like, why why are you in love with these humans? What's going on, right? <laughs> and he believes because even they said in the teaser trailer, he's like, well, I can lead the Avengers. He's an arrogant dude. Like he thinks that he's the most powerful Eternal. He thinks that he's the only one that can save the world if everybody just follows him. Right. But mm -hmm. I think that I do think that and especially if you've read the comics, you know that like his arrogance at times gets some Eternals killed like he, he mm. is arrogant. Right. And mm. and I'm curious to see how that plays on film because they haven't shown some of that arrogance just yet, just a little bit. But they haven't really shown it yet. Um, but even like he asks Ajax, Selma Hayek, he's like, so how much time do we have? And she's like seven days. And he looks he looks unbothered by that. Like, oh, OK, mm. it's a week. All right, we'll figure it out. You know, and, and that arrogance gets some of the Eternals killed. This is going to be very interesting. I do have to note two things. One, yes. just because if I was listening and no one said it, I would be mad. It, it is Gemma Chan. <laughs> it's not oh, Gemma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah. But, uh, and two, I do love that they're continuing the MCU tradition. I think this is the third time on record where uh, oh, there's a love interest where the female is obviously taller than the male. Just definitely <laughs> right. real. Like starting off with the first romance in the whole MCU, Robert Downey Jr. definitely shorter than uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. I think mm -hmm. Tom Holland and Zendaya are probably the same height about, but I looked it up. Google says the kid Harrington is 5'8", which is a bit like Google saying that the sky is purple. Like, mm. just no, age <laughs> is not. And that's okay. Like, I'm not tall, but uh, but yeah, that's just great stuff. Um, and I'm just excited to see them because I'm excited to see Kit Harrington because I think that he got a bad rap in game of thrones because he i think a lot of the stuff he had to play in it just kind of sucked like i think right. like, even yeah, before yeah, yeah, even completely. before this show got bad in the last season i think he was given a lot of dumb shit to say and i think that he is such a vulnerable character that i've, I've you know and also he's super lovable um and so i i'm willing to believe that you know someone would fall in love with him even though they were internal i don't know but i also he's also a beautiful man i mean like oh absolutely very easy to fall in love with yeah <laughs> exactly and, and i think they did such a good job at casting people who you would believe are i mean shout out a lot people. of candidates uh in this movie for the next daddy uh like oh rankings. wow yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah for sure. i mean the other thing i will say because you guys said this about what if in particular but like the cast that here like jerome you're right this cast is stacked and mm. think about like the folks who they who they've got like they got glenn close to play <laughs> to play nova right for, yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. six minutes right in guardians like marvel continues to just really like swing for the fences with who they're casting right like i like i know for me like, marvel's too big now yeah. to call anything swinging for the fences yeah you're right opinion. no that's a good point yeah. that is a good point you're spot, yeah. on. You're spot I on i would on. actually say that the swing for the fences in this movie is getting chloe Zhao to direct it because that's the thing that marvel after has the oscar, yeah. after that's the oscar yeah because of in actuality, the thing you could say about Marvel is that you could actually make the argument that the the caliber of directors they've gotten, they have less pedigree. Is not the worst directors, but they have a lot. Like when you had Kenneth Branagh starting off and John Favreau, like really established directors, and a lot of times mm. now you have like John Watts, who before Spider Man Homecoming, his biggest budget was like two million dollars. Not that that's a bad thing, but it is such a noticeable thing that like they've done everything in the actor realm but like this is the first time they've even had an academy award nominated director actually i think right. kenneth Brown was nominated for uh, Taika Waititi? So. no oh 
when he made the movie, I mean, because he got nominated for Jojo right. afterwards. But it yes, is yes, like, yes. I think it is definitely notable that, I think this is like the new frontier for Marvel is to get big actual filmmakers to make the movies. And that's why, I mean, it looks so fucking amazing for that reason. And well, and she gave it, she gave an interview too where she said that she went to Feige and she said, she went to Feige, to Kevin Feige and said, listen, I'm going to film with no green screens. I'm only going to film, I'm going to film on yeah. location. And it's a testament, I think, to him, right? Because like, there's been this, this notion for Marvel uh, you know, Shane Black kind of started it when they booted him off of Ant-Man, right? But he was like, you know, they, it's creative differences. They really want you to play in their sandbox. But that doesn't mean you can't shoot beautiful movies, right? Like Black Panther is interesting because it was shot on Tyler Perry Studios or whatever, mostly right down in Atlanta. But the, the from the set design to the to the hmm. costumes like it's a beautiful film it is a super black movie right like it's right. great look at the disney uh, plus and, series yeah look at loki like just yeah, all the design loki, around right? loki yeah, yeah. So, so i agree jake and I, I i think for me if they come if they somehow somehow figure out a way to get scorsese to direct a marvel film so he can eat some crow after all the nonsense he talked that's, that's I, I mean, is one of my favorite directors. I, I, I also don't think we need Scorsese to eat crow because, like, I think it's completely <laughs> no. fair what he was saying. Yeah, yeah. No, entirely, yeah. Entirely, entirely. <laughs> but I'd love to see him direct, I'd love him to see direct like a mob, mar- like the like, say, Kingpin gets a Disney Plus series. I'd love to see Scorsese, sure, direct. sure, I think sure. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, overall, I think. Yeah, the Eternals is going to be quite the film because I think these are new characters that a lot of us haven't seen and a lot of us you know, are, are being brought to so this, for the first time. So it's going to be very fascinating to see. Uh, guys, this has been a fun episode. And uh, yeah, we will close it out here. Uh, once again, Dalbin, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you, brother, as always. Where can we follow you? No, and thank you guys always. Uh, you, listen, AC sent me sent me sent me the DM yesterday. He was like, "You free Thursday at seven? I said, "For you guys, absolutely." No, because I, you know, I got nothing but love for you guys. Um, and I wanted to talk to somebody about the Eternals trailer anyway. <laughs> and, and one of my one of my good friends texted me this morning. He's like, he's like, D, what should I watch? I just finished Loki. Like, what's next? Yeah, I told him what if he said he ignored it because it was a cartoon. I said I need to talk to my real friends. You guys are my real <laughs> friends. If I'm I mean, this watching podcast it, serves if as I'm watching it, then he can right. shut the fuck up. <laughs> right. Exactly. It serves no. as like a Marvel therapy session for anyone that just like needs to talk through their shit that's Not, it like, exactly. exactly that that no. is really most of the rationale of having a guest on the show is just there you that, go like exactly. if you have no well, place to talk through it and i and i even I, I hit him back earlier i was like i was like yo man it's two episodes it's gonna be nine i need you to it's only 25 minutes like come on uh but you guys can follow me on twitter at da underscore sorry i'll have a new piece out on murphy's multiverse discussing this specific universe uh for what if episode two and dropping some theories that i think are going to come out of episode three because i do think episode three is going to be the one that we look back on and say when we get to secret wars when because I, I ac we keep talking about it that's where we're barreling mm-hmm. towards and yes. we have all these different teams fighting each other week episode three fury's fury's big week i think is going to be key to that um but mm-hmm. i'm honestly super eternally grateful no pun intended to be rocking with you guys, <laughs> unentirely <laughs> intended yeah i was gonna say that yeah <laughs> like, come on why. man <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to you, Belvin. Uh, Jerome, where can we follow you, brother? Uh, currently, you can find me on Twitter at Jumby Lime. I'm going to figure out. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if we can get free um, Black Dragon Roll there. But yeah. you can find me at Black Dragon Roll on Instagram. Honest, in, in all honesty, if any of you know someone at Twitter, seriously, get <laughs> Black Dragon Roll. I'm being serious because he, he's the best. This is egregious. This <laughs> yeah. is egregious. Yeah. This is like. Appreciate it, guys. What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, Jake. Jake, brother, you, where can we follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at the Jake Christie. Listen to my podcast, No Fucking Strictly Monk, where me and Andre Barrera talk about the USA Network original series Monk. I think we have an episode left, or two episodes left in season seven, and then season eight is going to be very exciting. Um, 
we're gonna have the creator back on because he was on at the end of the se- second nice. season and he wanted to come back for the last episode so we could go back and have a whole conversation so really excited about that um so yeah uh but also just i mean keep engaging with the show uh and follow us on twitter obviously um i just want to mention that because i did retweet during this pod i retweeted one of my favorite tweets we've ever done the uh ebony magazine just one of the greatest things I, that's ever it's, been made that was such a fun <laughs> edit <laughs> absolutely absolutely and finally you can follow me on twitter at anthony canton underscore three um i'll have some stuff on murphy's multiverse.com on shang chi i saw the film earlier this wait week. can we can we just pause for a moment just to mark it for this week specifically on the glow up of our man here anthony canton the third <laughs> and all the all the cool shit he got to do this week you know, it's one thing that we like are so proud of what we do on the podcast and how much we've grown together. But AC has really turned something that was like a passion for him and like just plugged away so hard at it. Like not just the Murphy's multiverse. It's, you know, like almost any guest that you hear on the show. It's our guy here who's like pushing hard to reach out to like make those cold calls to get people on board. Um, I know Jake and I work really hard at it, but like if you want to say like T'Challa was like the heart of uh, the MCU, AC is the heart of this, who like really brought things together and wow. everything that he got this week, he absolutely deserves. Amen. Thank you guys. That That's very, very, very kind of you. The only thing I will say to that is the only reason I'm as passionate about uh, what I do here specifically for this show is because of you guys. You guys have made it that easy for me to feel engaged enough to go out and try and find these people because i do believe that we can do something great and we are doing great things right now so uh i'm grateful for that but to kind of to kind of continue i want i want to praise me too much i don't mind the praise i, I love the praise i appreciate the <laughs> praise but um but uh but just to continue on and plug these things uh real quick so i do so there will be a review coming out on the movie um, and uh, I did an interview today with uh, Shang-Chi's sister in the film, uh, Zhang or, uh, Meng or Zhang. Uh, that was really fun. Uh, there's a story already out based off of a, a fun little thing that happened on the set uh, it, it, during the film. So check that out when you get a chance. Um, and in a couple of weeks, when we do this review, all I'm going to say is this, without any spoilers, or anything like that. I have to take an L. That's all I'm gonna say. I have to take an L. And okay. and I and I will, and I will leave it at that. I'm I'm um, so and, excited. And, <laughs> and obviously, uh, you can follow the show at MC University Pod. We do also have a Patreon uh, at, at uh, patreon.com backslash MC University Pod, where we do bonus episodes. We did the yep. Suicide Squad earlier this month. Uh, we next Spider-Man three is coming not too oh long from God. now. Well, yeah, That's, next oh weeks. boy, this honestly is gonna be the best. I I might have to clear out like a week. It's just like I can't I can't good content say it's gonna be under <laughs> twenty hours. It's oh it's gonna be very very fun. So are we it, drinking for that one? I think we. I'm might gonna be. have a little bit, but I'm not gonna be. Gonna I, I can't get too trashed. You should. But I, I think, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. have like some. It might not be MCU Daddy's Pod drinking, but no, but yeah, low, yeah. Yeah, so so if you guys get a chance, uh, join us there. You'll get the bonus episodes. The the camaraderie in the Discord is always great. Uh, and if you just want to support the show, support the show. So 
For Jake Christie, for Jerome Chang, for Dalbino Osorio, I am Anthony Canton III. This has been Marvel Cinematic University. We will talk to you next time.